You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. With play-in seating implications on the line, the Pacers travel to the capital of the United States Monday evening to take on the Washington Wizards. It was a high-scoring, high-flying game. The Wizards scored 32 or more points in all four quarters, including two quarters of 40-plus points. They were led by a spectacular performance from none other than Russell Westbrook with 14 points, 24 assists, and 21 rebounds. They also had 27 points from Rui Hachimura with nine Wizards scoring double figures. As the Pacers tried to match up, Karis Avert had 33 points. Minus Sabonis had 32 points, 19 rebounds, and 9 assists. Not quite a triple-double, but all of it was not enough. As the Pacers give up the most points in franchise history in a regulation game, losing 154-141 to to the Washington Wizards. The Pacers have not given up this much points since the 19th. 82 season when they lost the Denver Nuggets in overtime 155 to 150. Their most recent worst defensive performance came three years ago against the, against the Warriors, they gave 142, but getting 154 points is a franchise record, like I said, for the most points given up in regulation. Welcome into Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, because of this wonderful podcast. And on today's show, I want to talk about defense, defense, defense. I'll give the two links, at least in my opinion, that have that have uh, led to the Pacers' complete drop of defense over the better part of this season. But first, I got to start with why tonight's loss was so important. Why tonight's game was so important? Why the loss was so crippling? Is the best way to put that. So the Pacers came in tonight, sitting about a game and a half ahead of the tenth place Wizards. They're pretty firmly locked into the top 10 in the conference. Um, they're just the rest of the teams in the in the East. They're just, you know, the 11 seed Raptors and 12 seed Bulls are too far back to really catch pitch with not enough games left. But there are some real states. Could the Pacers be the 8 seed? Would they be the 10 seed? They're, you know, they sat pretty much a game on either side of them each way. There was a real possibility the Pacers could win three of their four games this week, which they could still do. But, you know... We're able to have a pretty solid week and close to 500. They could be competing for that eighth spot, which would um, give them a much better shot at actually making the real playoffs. But tonight's loss, I think, has almost all but secured their destiny as the 10 seed uh, in the Eastern Conference. So they sit half a game ahead of the Wizards with one. They play one more time on uh, Sunday uh, against this Wizards team again, I believe, at Indianapolis. They have lost the tiebreaker to this team. They now set a full game back once again of, of the Hornets who are reeling as well. But, I mean, they, you know, there's a better chance right now they end up playing the Hornets in the 9-10 game than they are that they actually get to the 8 seed to be able to play Boston. Just the way it looks right now, in my opinion, it feels that way. Um, but, in all likelihood, they're probably going to end up playing this Wizards team in this first play-in round in Washington. A place we saw them play tonight, and they got beat tonight. Pretty handily. I mean, the game ended up being only 13 points, but they trailed, I believe, um, by 20 heading into the fourth. They gave up an ungodly amount of points. I mean, like I said, I, this is like the... It, you can't even fail giving 100. I mean, another pitch scored 155 the other night in Oklahoma City, um, and that itself was like 
a crazy anomaly, but they were playing an Oklahoma City team, City team who is in full utter utter tank mode and isn't at all trying to win games. And the Pacers just caught them on a night where they weren't really playing any defense, and the Pacers were hot. I mean, you know, a game like that in Oklahoma City, the Pacers probably would score 130 as the floor, but if you are hot enough, you'll score 155. Uh, it, you know, and then tonight they played with your team, and they're trying. The Pacers are trying now. Granted, they're down a bunch of players. Don't get me wrong. The starting lineup was Karis Avert, Edmund Sumner. Doug McDermott, O'Shea Brissett, and Sabonis. So that's only really one, nah, two, two real starters on the roster. Um, so I get it. No, no Brogdon sword and hamstring. Uh, still no Warren, no Turner, no, no Lamb. I mean, there's a lot of guys out. So this team is definitely hobbled. But to have 154 points when you're theoretically trying is terrible. I mean, they let uh, Washington shot 61% in the field. I, that's hard to grasp because they took 103 shots. That means they made, made ended up making 63 shots. I mean, that's like most teams are lucky to make 45 shots in a game. They made 18 more than like probably I would say is somewhere in the league average. I don't know what the exact average, but I'm sure it's between 45 and 48 shots per game made. I mean, they made 53 in this game, for example, which is still pretty solid. It's it's unbelievable how many points they gave up. Um, the Wizards didn't even shoot that well from three. The team was 19 of 22 from three. They killed the team in the paint. They absolutely destroyed this team in the paint. And the Blazers are the best two-point shooting team in the league, so it's not like that surprising. But points in the paint, this is the like the, the crazy stat. 96 points in the paint for the Wizards to the Pacers, 60. Uh, that is what life is like without Miles Turner, who is the best, you know, or maybe not the best, but the number two or number three perimeter de- or uh, paint defender. Um when you don't have him, this is the kind of points you give up. And when you, especially when you play a team that has Beal and Westbrook, who are two really good um, paint players in terms of they can score around there. Also, but they're really good at finding the kind of like drawing the defense in and then collapsing and then getting the quick outlet pass or the quick like layup pass. I would call it right. I mean, look at down, look up and down this game and the stat lines. I mean, it's Alex Lenz four of four. Uh, you got. Daniel Gafford, 7 of 7. Robin Lopez, 5 of 7. Chandler Hudson, 5 of 7. Rui Hachimara, 12 of 19. I mean, this Pacers team was not killed by any one particular player on the offensive end of scoring. Westbrook dominated, you know, in all phases offensively, but nobody, like, pops off scoring 40, 50, 60 points. No, they got beat by a team effort of 9, which was scoring double figures, almost 10. Uh, Rule Neto had 9 points uh, and was pretty close to getting double digits. I mean, that would have been... It was going up to four. It's not surprising, but yeah, they, they got thoroughly shellacked in a team-dominated performance from this Wizards team. They took the Pacers. They took the Pacers to the bank. <laughs> uh, they they put a lot of points in them, and the Wizards continued their, their hot run. The Wizards, like I said, are probably going to end up probably in the nine spot, and maybe outside chance at the eight. I mean, the Wizards have their schedule left is Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana again, two Atlanta games, Cleveland, and Charlotte. There's a good chance they end up playing Charlotte in that last game of the season for that for that eighth spot. This Washington and the Pacers are just sitting firmly at ten. Um, so this was the game that clinched it. I mean, this is the game in my opinion that clinches the Pacers locked in, probably not locked in, but likely to be the ten seed and likely playing Washington in that first playing game. And if things go like they did tonight, things are not going to go well. Um, and part of that is this team's defense, which we you know Tony and I hit on yesterday's podcast a little bit, but it continues to free fall, and I wanted to dive in deeper to that and kind of talk about the two links, I think, kind of explain why the Pacers defense has fallen off. But first, today's Locked on Pacers podcast is brought to you by the Locker Room app. 
Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for the sports fan. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or sports. I hosted a Locker Room on Sunday. Locked On Pages just one every week. I did one on Sunday on tracking the Paul George Mondes of Owens Victor Depot trade and who won it now that we're almost four years removed from it. And you can join in that conversation and many more down the locker room app today. It's perfect to start and join conversations about anything you want to do. Watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, whatever you want, news, rumors. Locker room is the place to be. We're on locker room. Any other all the locked on podcasts are, a whole bunch of other people are on locker room. And right now, you can download the locker room app free on all iOS devices. Be sure to link it with your Twitter profile so you get the latest updates, and you can make sure you follow me at Locked On Pacers so, we, so you know when we get live, when we go live on them. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Download the Locker Room app today. And we're back. The first link to this Pacers defensive drop-off, I think, has to be coaching. Dan Burke left this Pacers team. He was the defensive guru, so to speak, of the last 20 years. Arguably orchestrated three dominant defenses or, you know, top five defenses, right? He orchestrated the 2001 to 2004, five, whatever range, Pacers defense that was uh, the second best defense in the league those years behind the Pistons. Pushed the Pacers to almost, you know, incredible heights. Probably the farthest that would be as a franchise was in those, especially 03, 04, 05, 06. That was probably close they ever came to winning a championship they were legitimately the favorites or uh, in the top two one of those seasons versus like i think the other years were kind of jordan the favorite and the lakers were and they were just kind of playing maybe spoiler then he did it again in the 2012 to 14 teams that came pretty close to making the nba finals because of their defense because of roy hibbert because of the reputation they set up the way they play defense the way they could they stopped lebron slowly slow i mean i said but slowed him down in lebron's peak career years and then a pretty solid defense with um Less than talented players, I think, or less than expected, you know, without a dominant Paul George-like player from 2016 or 2017, sorry, to 2020. Um, those three kind of eras of Pacer defense, Dan Burke was at the center of them all. It orchestrated them into incredible heights. And it's pretty easy to see, right? So the Pacers this season started off the first month with a very, very solid defensive rating, right? 104 Good, very respectable about where they were, you know, actually better really than where they've been in previous season, right? Usually they finished the year, like last year, uh, they finished um, the defensive rating of 108. So 104, very good, right? But only played five games. Quickly, that defense fell off. 111 rating in January, 111 again in February, 111 in March again, 114 in April, and then May so far, they don't have the update of tonight's game. So it says 108, but that's a lot higher for today's game against the Wizards. So we're just going to throw that one out. Well, how does that compare to like the last three seasons? Well, 2019-20, not a single month was above 110. Pitchers already had uh, five, four months above 110. So, And then if you look at teams Dan Burke is on. So Dan Burke is obviously coaching the assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. Granted, different roster, much more talented defensive players than the Pitchers currently. So I, I get it. But they only had one month over 110, and their you know best months are 98 in December defensive rating, holding teams below 106 in two other months. Uh, right, that's that's the way that's Philadelphia right now. Last year, if you just compare to Philadelphia's defense last year, the rating is down, basically a solid two points, which is a good improvement. Right, not all Dan Burke. I'm sure you can't link that, but I think there has to be some link and some consideration that Dan Burke is playing a role in that. Uh, the other one, right, when we say coaching, is Nate McMillan. 
McMillan's a little harder stats to gauge. Obviously, he didn't take over Atlanta until like mid March, really. So he's been looking at about a team with about a one eleven defensive rating since he took over uh, versus Atlanta last year. As a total was one fourteen. Again, that's a drop. Both coaches came in defensive rating a drop. Obviously, been the opposite for the Pacers with the defensive rating just like slowly increasing every single year at like almost it feels like new heights every every year in some way right the coaching is definitely an issue right and some of that is dan burke knew how to push the pacers buttons the right players at the right time um some of that is injuries right miles turner being out the last month has not helped and he is by far the best defensive player they don't really have like an awesome defensive guard. I mean, Brogdon is supposed to be, but he's carrying so much offensively, he's not really there. But some of that is on, on Bjorkren and just not being able to, you know, push the right buttons defensively. And Burke and McMillan knew how, knew how to do that. Some of it is player, just the players they have. But I'm not sure I ever thought the defense would get this bad, right? And the thing is, really, rating-wise, they're not that bad. I mean... Overall, I mean, we'll see how they fall tonight because right now, but they came in tonight's game with the 12th best defensive rating in the NBA, which is fine. I mean, it's just average. Now, like last year where they were like a pretty good team and borderline, you know, top three seed, they had a top six defense. The year before 2010, they had a top five defense. Um, the best season under McMillan, they were only the 13th. So it's not like they've had some, um, you know, they're like totally out of the league average and just fall, free-falling. Um but you can clearly see that without Turner, this team doesn't really have a defensive identity. And some of that has got to fall on the coach, right? I mean, maybe, you know, you write it off. When you get Warren back, things could be a little better. Warren was making much, much, a ton of strides defensively. But I do worry that Burke was just like a really good in-house defensive developer. And without him, you just, you just have issues because you just don't have anybody who can really sort of whip guys into enough shape or train them enough or get them motivated enough to play the kind of defense necessary to win a lot of regular season games or to win in the playoffs, right? The Pacers, what made the Pacers so good in the past was they just, they beat the bad teams consistently. The Wizards, they beat these kind of teams consistently because they had good defense, they had good fundamentals on the defensive end. And that doesn't mean like they don't have good fundamentals now, but it means they kept guys in front of them. They did a good job just keeping guys in front of them and forcing them into shots. And certainly, they didn't beat every bad team every single night, but they were competitive, and they were they were doing enough. And they just don't have it this year. They just don't have a defensive motivator this year the way they had in the past. And that some of that's got to be on, on coaching. Like I said before, I'm going to give Bjorkren kind of a two-year window, even three years before we really judge him. But uh, his defensive coaching is just not up there, especially for a guy who, you know, if you know, was part of one of the most ingenious defensive strategies the year the Raptors won the championship by going the box and one on Steph basically changed that series for the team. Um, and was really good just defensively the whole playoffs, right? They figured out how to guard Giannis, and some of that was having Kawhi, right? When you, when you have talent, it, it carries you, but I just don't see some of that same defensive genius right now out of Yorker. And maybe we'll see it as guys get healthier, and maybe we'll see it next year, but I'm waiting to see it, is all just waiting. Um, the other thing, though, there's one more kind of thing I think that leads to this, led to the Pacers' fall in defense, and I want to tell you that after this break because today's Locked On Pacers podcast is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need for your car. You can get tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. Whether for your classic daily driver, they have everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The Rock Auto catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are live below and the same professional do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in the how to hear about us box so that they know that we sent you a main selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we are also brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The baseball season is in full swing, and you can track it all the action at betonline.ag. There's been a ton of sports action this week. So we're past the NFL draft, past the Kentucky Derby, but there's all kinds of triple crown racing. You can get all the latest odds, news, and info for all your sporting needs and everything from the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, and even UFC may action on betonline.ig. So before the next pitch, head over to betonline.ig on your laptop and mobile device and check all the great sporting news and sign up for the bonuses and content information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. Head over to their website or use your mobile phone and get a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. BetOnline. .ag, your online sports book experts. The last stat that I think really explains the Pacers' fall off in defense. You know, what, what do they say? When it quacks like a duck, when it walks like a duck, it must be a duck. Pace. It's pretty simple. The Pacers are playing at an incredibly fast rate. Faster than really they've ever played in Pretty much any season, I think, of the Nate McMillan era, and let's—I mean, I'm going to keep—I'm going to keep going back a little bit. But the Pacers are playing at a pace that ranks right now sixth in the NBA uh, at a 101.2 rate. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I think it's possessions per 48 minutes, so 101.2 possessions per 48 minutes. Previously, they ranked 21st in pace at 99. 98 the year before that, 24th in pace. Year before that, 96, 23rd in pace. Year before that, 96th, 18th in pace. I mean, you keep going back. They've never played as fast. Even going back to the Vogel era, they played 96th, 11th in pace. In the 2015-16 season, they have, like I said, never played this fast. At the same time, they've never played this bad at defense. They have the 12th defense, best defense rating right now, 6th last year, 30 year before that, 13th, but it was an under 110. Right now it's at 112. Uh, and then the last year of Vogel, they had the third best defense rating at 102. Yeah, it, it's 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 pace, in my opinion. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, you can see it with tired legs, not being able to stay in front of guys, end of games, especially have been really bad for this team. They don't have the energy. I mean, I think the best example is you go back to the Pacers in 2017, all year it was, we're going to run fast. We got Victor Lodipo, we just traded for him, this young roster. We're going to run, 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 run. And I started off at 2017-18 season, Scoring a ton of points. That first game, they scored 100 and I believe, look it up real fast, 140 to 131 game point game they won against the Brooklyn Nets. Then somewhere on the line, so they, they lost, ended up losing five straight in that season. 
uh, in like early November, and they had this whole team meeting. They were five and five. Uh, you know, it, it was it got dicey there for a few minutes. Then they went on some real runs, and all of a sudden they're scoring a hundred points, one hundred and five points, one hundred and seven points, one hundred and eight. They actually had a hundred and twenty point game here and there, but they're scoring a lot less points. They're playing a lot slower. The half court defense is a lot better because they realize you need to play fast. Er. But you don't have to pay at this ridiculous pace when your half-court defense is what's winning you games. And if you get a chance to actually you know, set in defense, you can win, right? Some of the strengths that year was the fact they had Thaddeus Young, Turner, and Oladipo. So they're really good around the rim and really good at uh, cutting off passing lanes. Thaddeus Young and, and Oladipo were like assist and deflection leaders across the league that season. So there was part of it was that. Um, part of it, I think, was Dan Burke understood, you know, where the strengths were. Because Victor Lipa has not really been that, that kind of offensive player since that season. Part is the injury. But um, they just, they found some form of that year and had, I, I, I don't know, Victor Lipa was going for a steals thing that whole season. doesn't really matter at this point um, to dig too far into it. But they just don't have, like, any defensive kind of, kind of identity besides maybe a Turner block or uh, a McConnell, like, inbound steal, right? They don't have, like, when we get in half court, we run this kind of thing. I mean, I think for a little while there, when they're playing better defensively, it was we're going to play up on guys and let them go run into Turner. We're going to, you know, be this kind of like constantly throwing things at you defense, right? We're going to play a little box one. We're going to play a little zone, and that's maybe the identity um, on. But like, I think that's also stale, right? It, 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 you know, if you keep running the same kind of changes and teams eventually start preparing for it, if you run the same kind of gene or uh, in ingenuity plays over and over again, they stop being novel. They end up being, you know, constants and people can figure them out and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes the best recipe for a good defense is just having a really good set that you can play over and over again. You guys master, right? Because, you know, you can coach a team, let's say, watch out for the deflections, cross, but that, but like, it's hard. I mean, if a team's just good at doing it, they're good at it, right? That's the other part of it. And so, I really hope this offseason they're able to kind of pull out some defensive identity. I don't know how they find it, what they decide to do. I don't know what, what you know, let Bjork go to the drawing board and figure it out with a healthy roster, start tinkering and whatnot. But um, they're going to have to find some, you know, to be a, let's call it top five seed in the East, they're going to have to be either like above average at both offense and defense or really good at one or the other, right? In the past, they've always been really good defensively and that's carried them. And I think you t- it tends to be easier to be good at defense because there's not as many teams that care about it, and it's a tougher discipline to be good at and to be consistently good at. So that if you can really master it, it can take you a little farther than a great offense. Um, just because, if you even if you look at like the the one through thirty defensive ratings, there's a larger gap between those and the one through thirty offensive ratings. Um, really, if you look at like six through thirty is the way to look at that one. You start you see a bigger gap at times um, because it's just harder to be really good a really good defensive team in general but you got to figure out i don't think this is ever going to be like a top five offensive team although i guess you could you could convince me if you decide to go with one lone center and play stretched out ball you could just try to outpace teams but tonight we saw kind of what that's like right i mean obviously i guess if they're fully healthy they could maybe score as many points as the wizards right i mean if you immediately sub in warren for sumner or warren for uh not sumner for mcdermott and you sub in brogdon for sumner do you get a um you score 150 points, maybe you can maybe convince me of that, but they have to find some identity whether it's being like this great offensive team or whether it's being a great defensive team. I think I tend to think defense is the better option there, but um, I'm not, I'm not an NBA coach, so 
They'll have to figure it out, but they have to find some identity next season because this year, the, the I think the identity of this team is the fact that they have no identity or their identity is that they can't play defense, which is even worse. So, As always, the Locked On Pacers podcast can be followed at Twitter, at Locked On Pacers. We bring you the show five days a week. So tomorrow, Tony will have a preview of, I believe, Wednesday's Magic Against the Kings, and I'll bring you Thursday's show, breaking down the Kings game, and then... Um, also previewing, I believe they play the Hawks on Friday. Uh, and then Tony will bring you a show Friday, previewing the week and whatnot. Previewing the weekend and whatnot. That's all. You can follow me on Twitter at Madden 5 My co-host Tony's at T-East NBA. That is all for his Locked on Pacers podcast. We will see you guys again tomorrow.